is one, it's rare to have a woman DJ, two, you know, a Persian woman DJ, and three, someone who actually knows what the fuck they're doing. You know what? I'm dating all kinds of guys and they're all great. And it's not about the size of the height, it's about the size of the other team. entertaining, interesting guest today. Can I help you, Natalie? You're playing with your beads. Sorry. Yeah, I have this like chain that I made for my phone and my mom told me it's like what the people in Iran used to use to like decorate their donkeys. (laughs) She told me that that's what it looks like. So that was very nice of her. Anyways, (laughs) let's bring on in our guests for today. We're very excited to have them. Let me do this. Wow, we're so tech savvy. Hello. Hello. Wait, Wait I, I love this background. David Lynch background over here. <laughs> I'm glad that you guys knew that. <laughs> um, no, I used to be, I think about how like I loved Twin Peaks as a teenager. I feel like I probably wouldn't watch it now. Cause like, we don't really know going into it how scary Bob is. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Bob is we never would go into it but we sacrifice <laughs> it for the strong aesthetics so that's absolutely like, or maybe people live for it I look I like this anyways <laughs> but welcome to the podcast we're recording right now okay um, all right so why don't you tell uh the listeners a little bit about yourself well where to begin where are you from yeah. <laughs> typical Persians like every time you meet a Persian person it's not like who are you what do you do where are you from it's who are your parents what are your parents where are your parents from it's like I'm my own person stop asking about my parents (laughs) exactly (laughs) you know what I'm actually kind of surprised that that's still a thing like I thought that my generation of Persians would be the end of that and that the, the younger generations wouldn't have to suffer the same fate. But apparently it's, it's still a thing. And that's, that's kind of an interesting thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, when I was growing up, um, yeah, I'm 38, by the way. So in case um, people don't know me very well, but yeah, I'm a, I'm a little bit older than maybe your general um, audience. But yeah, when I was growing up, it was very much like, who are your parents? Where are you from? What's your family's name? Um, where in Iran are they from? And, and like, there's just like this weird hierarchy and status system, um, which is totally defunct in this country because it, it's like no longer valid. But we, we still, you know, you can't change uh, 
you can't change people in that way. So it kind of carried over here and it just, it doesn't make any sense, but we're, it's still ingrained in us. So we still do it too, as the children of those people. Yeah. So, I mean, you can choose to tell us about your parents. (laughs) I mean, I have no problem talking about my parents. Um, They are lovely people. They come from Shiraz originally, um, but spent the majority of their lives both in Tehran. I mean, everyone eventually, like when it came to like university and going to school and getting educated, made their way to Tehran. Um, But yeah, my parents actually are, this might be new for you guys, but my parents are first cousins. Um, And it was kind of the last of that, really, where it was still not entirely taboo. So um, my parents, you know, obviously grew up knowing each other and then eventually got together later. Um, But yeah, both both of their families were in Tehran simultaneously. Um, So that's my parents. They're lovely. They're not very stereotypically Persian in the sense where I, um, you know, there were certain rules and things that I had to abide by as a Persian woman, but there were, you know, they're not religious. Religion was never forced upon me. And for the most part, they gave me a good amount of freedom, which is, you know, probably thanks to them why I've become the woman that I've become. Um, but there's always a, a but with that, right? So it's like they give you a little bit of freedom and then they, <laughs> they're like, but, you know, if you have to go to school, you know, there's certain things you still have to do. So you were born in America? Yes, born and raised in L.A. and um, lived in Orange County for college. I went to UC Irvine and then moved to New York actually in my early 20s uh, to to pursue art and just to grow up really. Um, and then move back to LA and have kind of been here since. Wow, interesting. I, I didn't know that you would live in New York. Yeah, I was in New York in the early 2000s. So it was kind of before Williamsburg became what it is now. It was like the last of uh, kind of dirty Brooklyn uh, is what I like to call it. But I, I fell in love with New York such a such a great place and I learned so much in the years that I lived there and I credit a lot of my growth to those few uh difficult years that I spent in New York for sure um just a side note has anyone ever told you that you look like the singer Nancy no I've never heard that I've gotten like Persian Elizabeth Taylor uh, but no, I've never, <laughs> I have to look up this woman. Very beautiful. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. It's my mother's fault. What am I going to do? has come to visit. Yeah, so two guests Rose and her alter ego, Gila. Yeah, so just... Gila has always been a part of me. She is a, is like a, an amalgamation of several different Persian women that I've either met or dreamed up in my life. Um, but yeah, she's like a little mix of my mom, a little bit of my aunties, a little bit of their friends. And she's a, she's a spicy batch and she's got an opinion about everything. And uh, she's become 
slightly insta famous through quarantine because she does these little cooking shows and uh, a lot of non-Iranians love her, which is always fun because uh, I think that we live in a bubble as Iranians, but um, you know, the, the immigrant experience, everyone has an immigrant auntie or someone that they know in their lives that they can kind of relate to. So that's been kind of fun. Yeah, I'm curious, like, what is Gila's stance on premarital sex and things like that? Well, um, honey bear, Gila is a very modern batch, okay? She's from Iran. She's very proud Iranian, but she's not married. She's living with a boyfriend without marriage, no kids. So she's very modern. And you know what? Sex is a part of life. So... Why are you going to live in your life not having good sex? You know, you marry somebody, it's shed, and then you're miserable for the rest of your life. What are you going to do that for? So you better try out the equipment before you buy it, honey. (laughs) 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 Big time. I actually, I have a couple of like direct family members that say it like that, like shat. And it's like with this, <laughs> their whole facial expression changes when they say it. <laughs> you know what I think is like one of the uh, ways you've mastered persona is how you've added the ing to like verbs. Oh, really needed them. Like you do double, like, like oh, Rose knowing that. So I just, like, I hadn't even considered that until I heard your impression. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely, uh, you know, there's a lot of improvisation that goes in there, but it's very also inspired by, um, you know, my mom, who's still to this day, she's been, she's been here since like 78 and still, you know, with a fervor holds on to her accent and um it's it's lovely i love it but uh yeah she she gives me a lot of inspiration for sheila <laughs> so for people who like can't see rose or i'm sure after listening to the episode you'll check her out on instagram but like something that stands out about you to us is like that you have a very unique style and like you are like you yeah, you have a punk style, which is, like, not... I mean, there, I know Persians, obviously, like, let's not just generalize, but, like, it is slightly rare. And probably, like, the things you wear and, like, the things that you do in your daily life and, like, your, just your career as well would be kind of considered, like, unattractive to Persians. So I'm curious, like, what was your um, immediate family's kind of reaction to that? Well... To be, to be completely honest, I, music has always been such a huge part of my life. Um, so I DJ now, but you know, growing up, music has always been around. My mom is a massive fan of music. My brother, my older brother, who, excuse me, is eight years older than me, he introduced me to like metal and um, rock and roll and the blues and, and um, new way stuff like that so when I was younger I had a lot of different genres around me and music played such an important part in shaping who I am because it taught me that there is another world outside of my immediate world which was this small house in the in the valley you know and 
so my mom grew up listening to the Beatles. She was very like Western in, in Iran. So she brought in like the 60s and uh, doo-wop and soul and R&B. And then my brother brought in like the rock and stuff. And so I kind of took all that as a kid and ran with it really. So as soon as I was able to get out of the house, I was going to shows. And the shows that were immediately available around me were punk shows, hardcore shows, ska shows. And um, I really have to credit the music community for uh, raising me in a sense, because you know it, it taught me about politics, it taught me about um, questioning authority, all of those things. And so as a young kid, who was very impressionable and also very insecure, you know, very, I always felt like an outsider anyways, as an Iranian woman, uh, add, add a, a community of people who also feel very disenfranchised and you just, I kind of felt like I was only, um, but yeah, I present a lot of challenges because I didn't look like other Iranians and my parents' dreams of me marrying and having like that perfect Persian girl life really went out the door when they started seeing the kind of guys that I was bringing home. So right away, you know, Sefi boys and, you know, all mixed race boys, you know, just everything. And they were just like, oh my God, Drizzy, she's gone. I can't do anything about it. <laughs> so it was just, yeah, they just had to kind of accept it. But I did meet a lot of um, resistance. And my brother was gone. He was doing his own thing. So the focus was really on me as the as the younger child and also the girl. Uh, but I fought back and I just, you know, was living my own life. And I, I didn't know how to do it any other way, really. So when I was in high school as well, like I just... I was not happy in school and I was not happy at home either. Conflict in both places. And like the only places that became immediate to me, I was, I also began going to punk clubs. Like I would go to the smell and like sneak out of my parents' house, like really sketchy. They like had a GPS on my phone and like found me once. And I went and bought like a flip phone from like a gas station and it was menu. <laughs> but now I'm very um, so boring. <laughs> well you know what the truth is we go through phases and I've gone through my several different incarnations and you know it, it's not to make it like better or worse it's just you know you have to go through these different cycles of life until you really find yourself and I didn't become this like I didn't have this much conviction in who I was until much later in life. So it took me going through my normie phases and going through my um, super rebellious and punk phases and just like overtly sexual and all, you know, like I went through all of it. Um, and I don't regret any of those things because it's made me who I am today. And um, I'm less apologetic about it now, but when I was younger, I thought there was something wrong with me because I couldn't fit in with my parents expectations I couldn't fit into like societal expectations as a as a woman who was very sexual who is very um you know political and vocal and opinionated and so you know uh now that's celebrated but when I was growing up you know, it was all about making yourself seem smaller. And, um, you know, I suffered consequences for, for living in that way, in that mind frame for a very long time. 
and I'm trying to undo some of that damage now through therapy and other things. But uh, it's all, you know, it's all a journey. So I wouldn't get down on yourself, girl, because you seem like a very well-adjusted lady. And, um, you know, we, we all go through it. So. No, I'm joking. I don't, I don't actually, <laughs> I just, I rather what I meant to say is like my fashion has become, Natalie says that I dress very preppy now. I mean, you do. Um, so I think, but I, I don't know, I just, I went through, like, I just got to a point where I felt like I wanted the first thing people to notice about me to be my words, not necessarily my appearance. Mm. So, I mean, whatever, but also like when you get to a point of like studying so much, like so many different aspects of fashion history, you become sort of disillusioned and you don't even know how you want to represent yourself. So then you just choose to like dress conservatively. But anyways, that's um, regardless. So you, are you the only daughter of your parents? Yes. So I'm the, there's two of us. So there's my brother and myself and my brother kind of followed the Dudutela's guide steps, you know, like became a doctor, married a beautiful Persian woman, has, you know, beautiful children, the big house, the, you know, the, the great career. And here I am, you know, the, the art student who DJs and is unmarried and no kids, but you know, it, it is what it is. And I think my parents actually see that even though I went through a different way about going through my life, that I'm very happy. I'm well adjusted. I'm not a bad person. You know, I'm not an asshole. And I don't like do drugs. You know, like I'm a pretty responsible person and I take care of myself. So I think it's like helped open up their mind about, you know, different ways in which you can live your life and it doesn't have to follow this kind of guideline or this, this, uh, expectation. And, uh, if you know, any judgments that they have, I know it comes from their own places of fear and insecurity as immigrants to this country and, you know, things that they were told and, uh, but they're, they've definitely warmed up to the idea. And I think they're just, they're just happy that I'm happy. And I'm sure it's the same for your parents too. No, I'm so happy. There's no like bitterness towards you. Um, for I feel like not having kids is just like such a big deal to Persian families. It's like it's just like yeah. Um, but did you have any cigars like when you were younger? <laughs> I I you know what to be honest, I've never officially dated any Persian guys. I've gone on dates because my mom kind of forced me, but um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've had like relationships where it was going to lead into that, but not like official hostigars because I was just not the, the ideal candidate. I was too rambunctious. I said the F word, you know, like there were times where it was almost going to be like a Persian guy that might've worked out. And then the mom was just like, no, it, it, I'm studied this is not going to work. You know, she, she's too, she's too crazy. So, you know, which is fine. Like, Oh, oh. what was that? No, Millie thought that your mom would say that you're crazy. I'm like, no, it's the guy's mom was saying. That. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. The other, the, the moms. Yeah. My mom. Of the guys. So. I was talking about the Persian guy and she's always like, 
sure that you don't want to because none of them or their families would want you anyway. And I'm like, <laughs> I have nothing. I really don't have anything to offer a Persian family. Yeah, seriously, like, they would be lucky to have you. It's like, they should really be lucky. If they had a woman as, you know, lovely as you, as you ladies, or like, even myself, they, they would be very, their sons would be very well taken care of and fulfilled and, um, you know, constantly stimulated. <laughs> I was making fun of my dad. The, now that like we're in quarantine my, my dad like started going back to work but when he wasn't he was home so he's like whatever I'll help cook for, for Friday night dinner and he burnt the tadik one night so as a joke I was like daddy like how are you ever going to get married who's going to marry you if you can't make the tadik and he goes I think the same thing about you all the time oh no <laughs> and it's a joke in my family that I'm really not I don't have like domestic skills yeah yeah my mom's just always like it's good that you don't want to marry a persian because like what are they going to do with you like you like what do you have to offer like a persian like in <laughs> well speak for yourself because jila is actually really talented so, um yes honey hello fresh has been saving my life and uh it's teaching me what to do and i do my own little shots for it and it always comes out so good my boyfriend's very happy honey we're very good so you know what they can all just eating my shats whatevers Gila needs a podcast i think Gila needs a podcast i agree yeah i i considered doing something with her um i just i don't know i have no idea where to take it but like youtube and all those things just seem so daunting but uh, she she seems to be doing well on the Instagram stories. So for now, uh, she she lives in IG land. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, tell us more about your music. Like your how you got like when you became a DJ. Um. So I started DJing like maybe almost ten years ago now, and. It, it was kind of like a side hustle, really, because when I lived in New York, I became really immersed in like the scene there and going out and going to clubs and bars. And I was so inspired when I came back to L.A. And I felt like what I experienced in New York was really lacking in L.A. And I wanted to kind of recreate that a little bit. So one of the first nights that I did was a total homage to this club that I used to go to like almost on a weekly basis when I lived in New York and um, just basically started from there. And it was really easy for me to transition into DJing because I already had a vinyl collection. I had been amassing a lot of music for, for many years and it was just a matter of getting my foot through the door. And then once I did, I started getting gigs at other places because one, it's rare to have a woman DJ, two, you know, a Persian woman DJ and three, someone who actually knows what the fuck they're doing. And um, as far as like the kind of music that I play, it really ranges from, you know, 90s R&B all the way through post-punk and, um, you know, industrial and goth, you know, I'm kind of all over the map. The only stuff I don't play is like kind of what 
typical Persians like, which is like techno and uh, EDM or um, I like some house, like old Detroit house, but not like the new stuff as much. So yeah, I've kind of been um, playing a lot of smaller places to uh, cater to like, you know, niche crowds, but I have enough music knowledge that I can play various rooms. So I'll play like art openings or like at galleries or museums. I've done weddings. I've done it all. I have a Persian night that I do sometimes called Mehmuni, um, which is really fun. But um, yeah, it just kind of came together and it definitely uh, was not intentional as far as becoming a career because I was working in my brother's office. My brother is like a world renowned plastic surgeon and I was running his business for several years and I was doing DJing on the side just for, just for like a creative outlet because the medical profession is not really my cup of tea, but I do have a lot of experience in administration. So it ended up working out and I made good money, whatever, Beverly Hills, you know, the whole thing. But yeah, it just got to be too much. And then I left much to everybody's dismay and focused more on DJing and have pretty much been doing that as, as well as like a few other little side hustles to kind of keep things going. Oh, that's so cool. Actually, yeah. I was like, <laughs> that you don't like techno, but then you mentioned Detroit House. We were talking to one of our um, a musician and he was like honestly I don't know the difference between techno and house like what is the difference does anyone know there, was, the, you, I think it's pretty obvious to be honest it has to do with like the beats but um yeah it's just like a completely different tempo but house nowadays I think is the line is a little bit blurrier but early house is very is very different to um to techno but yeah techno is a lot faster now there's just so many things there's like tech house and there's like house like dub and there's like, yeah. like there's just so many like mixed Trap things house. yeah yeah actually, I, i'm pretty sure it's <laughs> i mean i'm a fan of all the subgenres. i think it's really cool when people kind of blend genres but yeah it, it's a little overwhelming especially but, as a dj oh, yeah like okay maybe i'm being i mean like phobic or something electronic i, I thought it was you said that like typical persians like that type of music i didn't know that i feel like yeah they meet, they're like oh like what is this like I don't, I don't know is that just me um no i feel like persian guys really like techno yeah yeah, yeah. or trance definitely I haven't like oh god this is so cringe I don't I feel I just I feel like I have to share this but I I haven't really dated many Persian guys but somehow I went out with this Persian guy and like we were kissing in his room and he just started playing like really fast techno music and <laughs> I need to get out of here now <laughs> your instincts were correct <laughs> It's just like who thinks that that's I don't know. It's just oh, <laughs> just friends now. God. Anyway. Um, yeah, Persian guys love 
techno. But I think like our generation now, like they have like more nuanced taste than house. And they yeah. think cool because of it. Um, oh yeah. It I know like LA Persians are very, um, you know, like they go to like a lot of clubs that play like, you know, a mix of like hip hop and, um, you know, house and techno, which is, which is really, you know, it's fine. It's just not my cup of tea. You know, I've always been interested in, sorry, that's my dog. Um, have always been interested in stuff that's kind of off kilter a little bit or, um, yeah. It's so funny that like, I don't know, I personally felt like, one of the only Persians who would go to places like The Lash in LA and then when like <laughs> found each other on Instagram I was like wait she DJs there like I don't know it's really we exist us black sheep uh Persians exist I have a few friends actually that are very you know similar to me where they had similar experiences growing up um you know watching French noir films and listening to Susie and the Banshees. So we, we do exist. We're small in numbers, but it's, it's actually really cool to see now, like Instagram has opened up that door. Like I'm able to connect with so many other like-minded Persians and it's really cool. I'm sure you've had a similar experience, but I'm like, yes, like that you had a, a, a woman on your show, um, early on Nikki is it Nikki Black, Black. yeah yeah cool version I don't know like so she has your same kind of spirit yeah she's I see like I didn't even know about her and I live in the same city and we frequent the same places so um I appreciate you guys representing Persians of all walks of life no on I your show we really want to have like a really backwards Persian come on the show, but we haven't found one. But like we, we really am, we're trying to get like hear the voices of people who you know. don't think like us. Yeah, you know what I think is funny though. No matter how much like any of us have like deviated from like the normal path, we still appreciate finding not just other people that think like us we appreciate finding other persians that think like us like, like we still want that connection mm-hmm. like i think every persian just like still has a lot of pride no matter how much like you aren't like the typical persian or no matter how much you didn't come out the way your parents wanted you to and like no matter how much you don't fit in really in the society we still enjoy like finding other persians like we like never I don't even you and me like we're so outside of the community but like we still started this we still yeah no I think it's part of maturing like when you're younger you're so angry at all of these problems you're facing and you feel like it's just because you're Persian so because of that you automatically just want to like alienate yourself entirely from Persians and you blame them and talk, like you know what I mean but then you as you get older it's like we've created this platform and like we realize how much we wanted to have this connection with other Persians actually yeah, absolutely. And there's like a, a Persian phrase. It's like kabutad, but kabutad. It's like, you know, birds flocked, birds of a feather flock together or something like that. It's a similar um, mentality is that, yeah, no matter how outside the community are, there are just certain things that other Persians will never understand. Like to a certain extent, like Tadov to me is still crazy like i can't believe that that is something that we do um but it's ingrained in me and i do it and i have to catch myself and i can't it's like really hard to explain those 
little things to non-Persians. So like when I'm dating non-Persians, they're like, why are you doing that? Like, it's weird. And I'm like, ah, like I forget that, you know, so it is nice when there's those kind of unspoken moments between, um, you know, people within your own community. So I'm glad that you guys found each other. <laughs> she scarves all the time. That's something she'll never stop doing. And I get so <laughs> you she like she's literally we have already passed every like boundary with each other and she comes to my apartment and when, asks if she can use the apartment i mean if she could use the shower it's like what do you mean that, that's not tarot, though. that's just me <laughs> and when Millie says that we've passed every boundary what she means is <laughs> are you really gonna say this <laughs> basically like i i do my own brazilian wax but there's certain uh-huh Places I can't Nuts. reach because I can't just flip over that way. <laughs> so I really wax me. That is true friendship, girl. And I have been there. I have definitely had friends in my life that I do that stuff for. So you have to. <laughs> so yes, that's what she means when she says to all the listeners. <laughs> that's what really means when she says we passed every boundary. Um, I was going to think you were going to be like, yeah, we've totally farted around each other. You know, like. Oh no. <laughs> no, I still I still won't fart in front of Millie, but I, I will let her wax my body. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> okay, can I just say one of my favorite um uh Persian words is the word for popcorn, which is um uh chosefil. <laughs> oh yeah I forgot about that word. Chosefil, yeah. <laughs> I haven't heard that word in like a decade. Yeah, <laughs> it's not as commonly used, but I remember being a kid and hearing that and like doing the math in my head, like translating and I'm like, what? What? Yeah. <laughs> so absurd. <laughs> but I do like the visual, like it's very like Disney Dumbo, um, you know, this idea of a puff coming out of an elephant's ass and that's popcorn <laughs> it's very camp honestly it is it is <laughs> camp and that's what people don't understand i think about the, like looking in to the culture it's yes like, yeah i don't know i just love like the persian this is something that makes me sad actually about like our generation like all the moms now like they're not doing like the really obnoxious like Persian blowout. Like, you know, the Persian mom the blowout. Faucet, the, like the Persian mom blowout is done. They don't wear like as showy of clothing. No, you know what I love? They now? just wear all black with a Gucci belt now. But it's like, what happened to like Roberto Cavalli shit? Like, let's get back to that. No, you know what I love? I love the Persian grandma blowout, which is they all have short hair and then they tease it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in this insane. It's like a helmet. It's like I could throw something at their head and it wouldn't hit their skull because it's just like this whole big, like, yeah. like, I don't know, bulb around their head. It's so crazy. They tease it like to an insane amount. It looks like a bird's nest. It's just huge. It's like how much hairspray did they use? They used the whole bottle. I know. It's like the version of Persian men that use the whole bottle of cologne. Like every Persian <laughs> man uses the whole bottle of hairspray for every wedding. It's really crazy. 
Persian grandmas are gangster. They always wear like they're even if it's like a little high heel, they're always wearing high heels. Yeah. Yeah. Even if their foot is hella swollen in that shoe, they are still going for fashion above function. <laughs> I love it. Anytime you need knees, a Persian grandma will pull out a tissue from her bra. Oh yeah. Yeah. So true. My grandma used to put rose petals in her bra. So instead of using like traditional perfumes, she would have rose petals. And I remember, I think there was, have you guys ever seen um, the cartoon Persepolis? Oh yeah. Yeah. There is that scene, I think with the grandma. Um, But yeah, my grandma used to do that too. And I always thought that was so magical and witchy. Sexy. Like I can't imagine if I'm like with a guy and he takes off my bra and rose petals just fall out. I know. I'm like, I'm like thinking some drag queen needs to do that on RuPaul's Drag Race. Like, take off her stuff, and it's like, hi, all these rose petals just cascading everywhere. Yeah. No, I feel like I'll do glitter. I'll do like funky, like fun smelling glitter. And like, Ooh. Take off my bra, and like glitter just falls out everywhere. So. I feel like that could be like a what is it called? Not a, not, what is it? <laughs> I keep like forgetting what. You know the embarrassing A medical, thing no, what's the The only thing that falls out of my bra when I take off my bra after a long day is like food. Because I always like chips and like, like little like cornflakes. So like, shit falls down there. And then at the end of the day, I take off my bra. I'm like, oh, look, I have a snack. Mm-hmm. Been there, girl. <sighs> Big titty problems. <laughs> yeah, I guess I, I, I. I've only had big titties <laughs> now though so I'm still getting used to them <laughs> um I don't know like how to segue into this topic with being that you're like one of our guests who's more comfortable talking about it I feel like you you gave us a very like simple overview of your parents like eventually becoming chill but I want to hear some like horror stories of when you were young because I'm sure like you had some of like when you were first dating guys or something like in high school or I don't know whenever you started doing that um actually I have a good one so when I was a senior in high school um my boyfriend at the time he was like my first love he was my first everything and for whatever reason my parents totally were okay with him like coming over and us being together alone and it was always like and I think you guys have addressed this in other shows but he was always my friend he's like my deuce you know he was never my deuce de pissad he was just a deuce so um we would spend like every waking moment together like as soon as school was over we were going to the beach or we were going to you know wherever and there was this one time where we left school a little bit early and we came home and um we were fooling around in not my room my brother's room which i don't know why we chose his room uh maybe because you know it's not my room so it's a less obvious choice for my parents but we were in his room and we closed the door and then all of a sudden i hear the garage door opening and mind you this is like 3 p.m i hear the garage door opening and i'm freaked out because i have like my top off or under the sheets and we weren't having sex or anything, but we were definitely fooling around. And I completely just like jump out of the bed and like start getting dressed. And uh, my boyfriend got dressed a little bit faster than I did. And he went out and 
just to kind of see what was going on. And it was my dad. <laughs> so it was like, why are you coming home at three? It was like this weird dad instinct or something. He came home and he like walked into the house, like all crazy, like what's going on, what's going on. And, um, he was like, Oh no, everything's fine. You know, Rose is just, um, you know, she's getting something, you know, and, and I'm trying to like hurry up and put my clothes on. And then I come out of the room and my dad just stands there, doesn't say a word, looks at him. It was like a full movie moment, like looks at him, looks at me, looks back at him, back at me. And then just like, doesn't say anything and then leaves the house. And I was like, Ooh, I am in trouble. But I never, I never heard anything about it again because, you know, my dad's kind of like that silent, wise, quiet type. Um, but my mom later was like, um, Rosie, I'm hearing that uh, somebody was coming here and uh, your dad sings things. So I don't know. You got to be careful. But that was it. It was like no topic, you know, no discussion about sex or pregnancy or you know, STDs, there was none of that. It was just like hushed under the rug and that's it. Um, but yeah, it was terrifying. Like, you know, that dad look when, when your dad gives you that like stern, quiet look, you're like, Ooh, you know, it's not like they're going to hit you or anything, but it's just, you get that feeling like they might just like slap you across the room. I feel like I never, I mean, like I live in a, like a two bedroom apartment with my parents, like I've never, the only time I ever brought guys home, I had, like, two guy friends that came over at different, like, years apart, and, like, both of them were just friends, and, like, they both, like, hung out with me and my mom, like, whatever. So I've never had a situation like that, but I also feel like my dad just feels very awkward because he, he is older, like, he had me at a pretty old age. He's very old-fashioned, like, he was in the army in Iran, he's just, like, this very, like, old-fashioned guy, and I feel like he feels awkward talking to me about anything, so the only time he ever took interest in like my like quote unquote like love life or whatever is like one time my mom was like yeah your dad asked me recently like does Natalie like because I've never had a boyfriend and they've never met anyone so he's like does Natalie go on dates like he was just <laughs> does she is she like interested in guys like she's straight like I don't know my mom's like yeah she goes on dates and like one time like we went to me and my dad went to a wedding just the two of us and like on the way home, just like so awkwardly in the car, he was like, so did you see anybody you like? And I was like, no, dad, I did not. And he's like, okay. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> it was funny. Just this morning, actually, my dad asked me like, I don't know. I told him about this recent date I had where I went on a date with this guy and then I didn't like him anyway, so I ended it early and I went and met up with a friend. And then I saw him like five minutes later on a date with another girl. Damn. I told my dad that and he was like, oh, well, he was just scared because he already knew that he was going to be rejected. So that's why he had another option waiting. And I was, you know what to say. <laughs> that's a good dad. <laughs> I, I love that um, I totally got accused of being a lesbian because I wouldn't fall into the norms. My mom's like, Rosie, do you liking the boys? Or are you lesbian? Like straight up because they were just like, why, you know, why can't you get it together? Why can't you find a Persian guy or get married? Um, you know, so it, it was like their their way of 
creating like a logical conclusion to why I don't follow norms is like, well, she must be, she must be gay. Um, Cause that would make more sense. <laughs> Like I have, like I, I, there are people like that I know in the community that are older and not married and like they get it. People they just accuse them of being either gay or lesbian. I'm like, maybe they just like being single. Maybe they just don't want to get married. Maybe they're just not introducing their significant others to the Persian community. Like chill. Or maybe. Yeah. And like. And, you know, you guys talk about this, too. I always thought it was interesting how even if you are in a happy, healthy relationship, your parents still don't want you to show it to the community because they want you to always be an option, you know, like if, in case something better comes along. So it's like you can't put pictures of yourself with your significant other because, you know, what if Mohandas, whoever the fuck. It, you know, decides that he wants you as as his bride. And so I always thought that was really weird because, you know, it, it's very obvious if you're in a relationship with somebody, but, uh, you know, you just can't let anybody know. Like your status is always single, whether you like it or not, until that ring is on the finger. Yeah, that's so true. Wow. <laughs> I'm about that on the podcast, and I've, I actually had like a family friend like, we used to always say that, like, um, I made a meme recently. What, was it a meme? That I, oh, no, it was a TikTok. I made a TikTok. And it was, like, basically saying, like, Persian girls, like, will hide a relationship for, like, five years and then suddenly post an engagement picture. And people will be like, what? Like, they were dating. <laughs> and, like, I remember a while back, a family friend messaged me. And she was like, yeah, like, I heard you guys talking on the podcast about how girls do, Persian girls, like, don't post pictures of significant others unless it's, like, an engagement. And I didn't want to be one of those typical Persian girls. So, like, you guys kind of, like, inspired me to just, like, show off my boyfriend and be like, yeah, I'm dating someone. And I was like, you go, girl. Like, good for you. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I, personally speaking, I don't like to be... I don't like people who flaunt their relationships. So I think there's like a healthy balance. But, um, you know, if I was in a relationship that was slightly rocky, I would kind of use that as leverage. Like I'd be like, yeah, you know, not posting any photos because who knows how long this is going to last. You know, you got to treat me right. You know, it's something that you earn. Um, but which I think is maybe comes from that same mentality of like always leaving yourself to be an option. Um, so I definitely use that as leverage in my not so healthy relationships, which is super mani manipulative and fucked up, but you know, whatever. <laughs> wild that there's so many new ways to do that. You know, there's so many girls or guys out there that they won't post who they're with. It'll just be like a video on their story of like their feet and then yeah, someone, someone else's, else's or like their hand or someone else's hand or like. Or, like, there, there's even guys out there that I know, like, have relationships. Like, I don't know, whatever. Like, maybe the girl considers it boyfriend-girlfriend, and the guy's like, oh, we're just seeing each other in our relationship. And they'll post, like, videos on vacation, and for a week, it just looks like the guy's alone. Because the girl will never be in the, It's just, look at this view. Look at this meal I'm eating for two by and myself. you see, like, a handbag <laughs> somehow, like, lingering. <laughs> oh, my God. On vacation by himself. Like... <laughs> I think also like there is a little element of chesh I think that people are also worried about is like if you are in a happy healthy relationship that you don't want too many people to like view that so it there's like a lot of layers like I think generally people don't want to post the photos because they want to remain 
available in the public eye. But there is also this idea, and I know my mom always told me that is like, you know, don't don't flaunt it because you don't want it to get cheshed. And I am super superstitious because that stuff was ingrained in me as a young age. So I'm always like, oh, you know, should I, you know, post about this or not? Should I be like proud of this or happy about this? You know, so. No, I, I'm sorry. No, yeah. I also feel like modern, but I still kind of believe in chesh. But maybe, I don't know. Now I'm like scared to ask like about <laughs> the relationship. Maybe you're like, I don't want to talk about Oh, no, 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 we're good. We're good. But um, yeah, my, uh, my dude and I met on Bumble, actually. And I would say I was probably one of the first adopters of like online dating that I knew of. Like I had AOL 1.0 or whatever when I was in high school. And this was like dial up, you know, phone is busy for hours style AOL. And I was on chats and like different groups. So I was always looking for like my people, you know, outside of my bubble. So I was always looking for other people that listen to punk music or whatever. Um, so I started meeting people at a pretty young age through online. That's why the transition to like the dating apps seemed pretty easy and seamless to me and kind of a no brainer. Um, but I met my boyfriend through Bumble and his profile was super vague and I don't know why, like, it's so stupid and superficial, but he was wearing a Fred Perry shirt or Fred Perry jacket. And Fred Perry, if you're not familiar, is a, an English brand. And typically the people that wear, wear Fred Perry are either old traditional um, skinhead, like reggae guys or ska dudes or mods. And I was like, okay, so he's either really into great music and he's British or um, you know, he just has good taste, period. So that was all it took. His pictures were very vague, swiped right. We ended up talking and he courted me for like a year or so because I was not into it because he's he's 15 years older than me. He has kids. He's a divorcee, which all of these things are just complete no-nos. Um, but uh, it took a long time for me to be comfortable uh, with that kind of, with that kind of relationship, because I had a lot of questions in my own head. And I also had the voice of my mom, like, Oh my God, Jersey, why are you doing this? You know? So it's like, I had all this like mental chatter. And then finally, after about a year of dating, I actually like submitted and let go. And now we've been together three and a half years. And I'm, this is probably the healthiest relationship I've ever been in. Um, but I do have to credit having done all this work and having gotten to this place in my life where I can recognize the, the good in, in the relationship and not try to sabotage it because that was my go-to before is like, if I did meet somebody that maybe was just like a little bit outside of my expectation or my long list of criteria that I wanted from the person then I would just be like, nope, this is not good enough. And I would just walk away from the situation or make it just terribly difficult. Um, but I like, this is the first time I've really kind of let myself go. And I could actually see myself potentially marrying or even having kids with this person. So um, there is hope and online dating is not entirely shat. So. <laughs> I'm gonna start using shat with my friends. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
or batch. You're such a batch. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> it's so much good Persian slang that I feel like needs to become like norm. Oh yeah. Yeah. Shat batch. Shat batch. <laughs> I love that. No, I I think we need a separate episode dedicated to actually interviewing Gila. And like we'll have to like really plan out the questions. Like we'll, you know what I mean? Like we yeah. have it, it maybe needs to be like a comedy sketch I'm, I'm, uh, um I don't think I don't think um online dating is all shat either. Yeah. I feel like especially now because of coronavirus, it's just like everyone is doing that. It's like so hard to meet people what's what's interesting though is like i always felt weird about being on like actual dating websites like like yeah i'm on hinge whatever like oh like it, like it feels casual but like i don't know if i'd be ready to sign up for like okay cupid even though mm. it's the same thing but it, it just feels different. Okay, okay, Cupid was actually like cool for a while. I feel like in like 2015 or like 2014, it was like, I don't know, I feel like intellectuals were on there. I was like underage and going on there just to like, I don't know, I was like trying to date an older guy. I was like, I want a guy who studies philosophy, like, um, like, jailbait on okay cuban but anyways (laughs) but i i never i never actually met anyone but i think okay cupid is actually i mean even now what i hate about okay but would you sign up for okay cupid now i wouldn't because now i okay the thing is now i probably wouldn't because back then it was like edgy because i was younger than everyone but now i feel like I'm just like every other girl in her 20s on OK. I don't know if people even use it. I know they did some sort of campaign last year, kind of being like self-aware that they're the edgy dating site, which made me angry because it's like, I, you weren't self-aware. That's why it was cool. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even know OkCupid was still around. Oh, I have friends on OkCupid. Oh, they oh, yeah. did a huge campaign all over the subways in New York last year. And it was like, I don't know. They was just like trying to align themselves with like queerness Wait, and stuff like that. Would you sign up for Corona Crush? Do you know about What's these that? Facebook? Um, what? These Facebook pages called like Corona Crush, where you don't put yourself on it. A friend posts, like let's say like five or six pictures of you or a brother or a cousin, whatever. And then they write like a blurb about you. Like this girl is spicy and loves long walks. <laughs> bridge and she's so cool and she has an education and she has birthing hips and like <laughs> i don't know they like write things about their friends and they're like snatch her up before she's gone it's like what is this like an infomercial for like really great sponges like snatch her up before she like where's she going what do you mean gone like so weird but it, it became like a whole thing and like people would do like video chats and it was like speed dating but on video chat and you would like have like a few minutes with each person and then if you were interested you exchange numbers and you moved on to the next person that was a thing wow <laughs> I, I mean I, i'd probably do it just for the sake of trying it just to see like how weird it is i had some friends do it and out of like i don't know how many thousands of people were in the group two of my friends who like met each other through me in real life IRL like got matched on the app and like their videos popped up they're like oh my god I know you like hi 
which I thought was pretty funny. Huh. <laughs> oh, man. Not specifically, but I do, like, my cousin, like, told me to look at this group on Facebook just because it was, like, kind of embarrassing and hilarious, but it's called, like, Meet Jew University Dating or something. Oh, I think you invited me to that page to laugh at it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have. No, no offense to anyone who's used it. Like, I hope it works for you, but... <laughs> just have to read to you one of the captions you took a screenshot really? yeah i'm so You're sorry so weird. Oh i'm so because it was hilarious you'll appreciate this rose hey njbs wait in case anyone doesn't know what an njb is it means nice jewish boy i have got the girl for you don't, blah, blah. don't say i know name. i know <laughs> half israeli half white what is half white <laughs> she can get along in any fi- family dynamic she like you're 20 she enjoys knedelach which is matzo balls okay and a, and a nice jafnun which is like a doughy wrap that like middle eastern it's like a middle eastern brunch type of thing basic so apparently she enjoys these two foods and then they follow it up with they're trying to say she's middle basically eastern and white. any basically anything goes this is what they say in all seriousness this is a quality girl what is this, like, quality meats? She's 20 years old and is a Wait, government... Wait, she's 20. She hasn't reached her expiration date yet. Like, <laughs> this girl's 20 and you're already saying, like, that she can get along in any family dynamic. Wait, and then this. She's petite, so you know you can toss her around and will never look taller than you. Oh. <laughs> no, lads. This is wifey material. Loves cooking, so she'll be able to fill you up. This is the oh. I'm sorry if you're so insecure about your height. Like, what is, you need what does Gila girl. think about that, yeah, actually? I like, wonder Gila's opinion. Well, you know what, honey? I don't give a shit what your hiding is. Because, you know what? If you're a good person, you're looking cute, you're taking care of yourself, who gives a shit? But you know what? I actually like wearing high heels. So if I can find somebody that's a little bit taller than me, then good. Because I think that's cute. But... You know what? I'm dating all kinds of guys and they're all great. And it's not about the size of the height, it's about the size of the other things. <laughs> Shutting it down. <laughs> it's funny because I actually have an aunt, Gila, but she gives way different advice. <laughs> You know, I actually have an aunt Sheila too, and I was terrified that she would think that it's based on her, and it's not at all. She's like the most lovely, um, you know, funny, great woman. But Sheila is she's just like her own person. I just thought it was a good name. Um, but yeah, I have a Sheila auntie too. I wonder if your Sheila, like your persona Sheila, would like my Sheila's advice to me. One time at Friday night dinner, she said, Natalie. You can date handsome men, but don't marry a guy that's too handsome because you're going to spend the rest of your life insanely jealous and thinking that every woman is trying to go after your man. Date someone a little, like, marry someone a little average or below average so you know that, like, there's less of a chance you're going to lose him to someone else. So true. My, I've been given that advice, too. Ex- like, almost exactly, like, you're wanting to, uh, dating a guy who's, uh, if he's very beautiful, he's not for you, he's for the world. And uh, you're always needing to be with somebody that loving you more than you loving them. 
because then you're already caring, taken care of. Yeah. So, so I guess yeah. you take my Gila's advice. Like, I guess she yeah. does live up to your Gila's <laughs> No, that's interesting about, it's like... It's not horrible advice. I'm not saying she's wrong. She's, I mean... Yeah. Right? No, I mean, I keep hearing this recently. It's like, yeah, you should be with a guy who loves you more than you love them. I think that's why a lot of guys, you know how we always say that, like, a guy will date, like, a beautiful, charismatic, smart girl, but then he ends up marrying, like, this kind of blah person? Maybe guys are being given the same advice. Like, don't marry someone too hot because she's always going to be chased by other men, and then you're going to have to live up to the standards of all these other men that chase her. You're going to have to work so hard for her affection. Marry someone blah because not that many people want her and then you don't have to work so hard i'm sure guys are being given that advice right <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's it's true it might be true but i'm i'm vain enough where if i can't be with somebody that i don't find attractive you know like and and i think there is something to be said about being with somebody who you feel proud of walking around with so i think there's definitely like a nuance to that um but yeah i've always dated guys that pursue me rather than me pursue them because anytime I've tried to pursue a guy it ends horribly wrong because they they're like okay well you got me now what are you gonna do and so yeah it just never worked out well and I don't know if you've had that experience with guys but I've had um guys who like create this like idea of who I am in their own head and then they start dating me and they're like whoa this is like you are the person that you say that you are, you know, like you do, you, you are an opinionated strong woman. And I didn't expect all that, you know, they just like the idea of you. And then when they get you, they're like, you know, I dated recently, they like off the bat, they're like, I want someone who's independent, like strong minded, does her own thing, opinionated. And then they meet me and then like, they're just like, okay, actually, um, but in, in regards to always being with someone you're attracted to, my mom always likes to say, beauty is behind the eye holder. <laughs> it's true. Yep. My, my mom. Uh, uh, what's the Farsi version of that? Cheshmet Rashang Mibine or something like that. So like when it's, it's like a, it's a weird uh, deflection. So you don't get cheshed. Like if somebody gives you a compliment, you're like, nah, cheshmet to rashang mi So it's like this idea that you, you throw the compliment back to them in case they are trying to chesh you. <laughs> I'm actually Wait, I'm going to use that. that. Wait. <laughs> and I actually, I, I can't help myself. I say that because I'm terrible at taking compliments. So I, you know, I pay it forward by saying, no, it's because your eyes, they sing so beautifully. <laughs> um i feel like a lot of our listeners they have like they send us some questionable things about their dating lives and i feel like they kind of allow men to treat them like shit essentially like shat (laughs) i don't know i feel like from based off of what you said like do you have any kind of advice you would give to your younger self or like to other for the little batches um well i think one of the most important things i've learned throughout my dating career because i have been dating for a long time um is that 
if you if you keep getting that voice in your head that's saying this isn't right, it's right, you know, and it's that second doubt and that questioning of our own intuition that always gets us in trouble because the only person we have to blame is ourselves if something goes wrong. And I've definitely been in relationships where there were glaring red flags that I chose to ignore because I thought that that was the norm, you know, or being spoken to in that way or being treated a certain way is just how it is. And the truth is if you, if you're questioning it, if it like from the pit of your stomach, if you're questioning how someone's talking to you or they're treating you or how they show you off in public or whatever the case is, there is a reason it doesn't resonate with you. And learning that distinction between like your fear and insecurity and self-sabotage versus like glaring red flags is, is something that you can only really develop with experience and time. So you just have to be gentle with yourself. And I always like to say that I don't think there's really a right or wrong. Um, there's, you know, some obvious things that you don't accept and don't do, but ultimately I think all of our experiences shape who we are. And if you're proud of who you are in your present moment, then you can be grateful and thankful for the people in your life that have led you to that point, whether it's been a positive or a negative experience. So just don't get, you know, just don't be too hard on yourself. It, it will pass and you will learn eventually. And hopefully in the end, you will find a partner who respects you, who wants you to be yourself, um, and who you will want to be yourself for. Because one of the issues I had growing up is that I always, I was so, because I was such like an outsider, I always desperately wanted to be a part of something and to fit in. So I would morph myself and become a chameleon in my relationships to be the person I thought that they wanted me to be. You know, the good Persian girl, the good, um, you know, submissive woman, the uh, fun loving adventurous babe you know like i would play all those roles for these men and for the most part none of them were really authentic to who and what i actually wanted so and it just took time for me to get to that point and would be like you know what this is who i am like you know all cops are bastards and i'm wearing a tama finland shirt and i listen to bands like suicide and throbbing gristle and if you can't accept that about me and think that you can make me like, you know, be something that I'm not, then this isn't going to work. And yeah, so that just takes time to get to that place. So, you know, keep trucking along. Navigate the kind of doubts you have in a relationship that there are people who I think they can't distinguish if the doubts are coming from the fact that their parents disapprove or their, what their own beliefs are. Like, I'm sure with the guy, like your boyfriend now, your parents were probably against it or voice. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but like they might have voiced disapproval or even with past relationships. Did you have these feelings of doubt and you weren't sure if it was because of their voice or your own voice? Like, how do you kind of feel what you actually believe? That's a really good question because as a, as a Persian woman, it is very difficult to distinguish because so many of these norms are like battered into our head at such a young age that it is really hard to discern between your mother's voice and your parents' voice between your own. And for many years growing up, I didn't know the difference at all. Like 
they they had completely been enmeshed um and it didn't it wasn't until like to be honest like therapy and being in groups like Al-Anon that taught me that um you know my voice is very loud and distinct in its own way and it is very different to my parents and so sometimes we need that outside help to point it out to us because otherwise we don't see what's wrong in it you know like sometimes in therapy i would tell my therapist situations that i'd been in and they're like you know that's like not right or that's that's um not right is the, not the right word but it's that's like a that's like a heavy thing to have to deal with and i hope you understand that that's not cool and so it would it took somebody else pointing that out to me for me to be like oh you know you're right that was my parents voice that was their their judgments and their expectations that have been guiding my decisions um which you know can work in a both positive and a negative way but i think for for young women who want to find their own voice it it's like a muscle you need to practice it and you have to do it in situations that maybe don't involve your family so like out in the real world like in the job in your workplace in your friendships that's where you get to like use that as a playground to play and exercise the idea of using your own voice and seeing how it feels and if it feels really good and empowering then that's probably coming from your authentic self um because then once you strengthen that muscle oops, sorry <laughs> once you strengthen that muscle then you can take that to um you know to family situations or to relationships so um yeah i think that that kind of experience is really helpful i know i, I really like that advice okay, just like kind of separating yourself from them or just like trying to understand your voice in other situations that aren't necessarily romantic yeah and i taught i used to teach yoga and meditation and stuff and a lot of a lot of my training was learning how to exercise your voice so like you do mantras and and you say things to empower your your um your throat chakra which you know again it's just like there's different ways to exercise your voice it doesn't always mean like being combative or argumentative it can just be you know speaking truth or saying things that are difficult to say and the more you do it the easier it is to get over the bulks in your throat and then you can say it without crying or you know whatever but yeah it took me a long time to get to that place yeah bulks is such a such a like power <laughs> Or maybe it's not. I don't know why. Just like some words in Persian, they just feel more heavy. Um, no, that's. I'm like processing everything you're saying <laughs> about how I kind of respond to my parents, and just again, like we constantly get so many people asking how to talk with their parents without like being combative and things like that, but. It's hard. Yeah. yeah, it is hard. And, you know, fortunately, I, I've been able to, um, you know, be able, I've been able to have conversations with my parents, difficult conversations with them and speak my truth. Um, because I felt that I had no other choice. And if I, if I had, had I censored myself, 
then I wouldn't have had the progress that I've, I've had. And I, I would just recommend, you know, no matter how difficult it is to say certain things, to just say it and, you know, say it quietly and calmly if, if that's how you want to communicate it. But, you know, yelling or being combative, people just shut off. You know, once the volume gets to a certain level or once the tone gets to a certain point, that kind of communication is not going to penetrate. So if you can remain calm and collective, that's the only way that I've been able to have thoughtful conversations with my parents. And that, and that takes a lot of effort on my part because sometimes I do want to yell and scream, but um, I restrain myself because I genuinely want to convey a certain message when I'm speaking with them. And I can only do that when I come from a place of calm. I feel like for some people it's so hard, but like no matter how calm you come into a conversation, if you're saying something that you don't appreciate or they don't approve of, they automatically start attacking you as if you started a fight. And like I remember sometimes, yeah, like with my dad, I would say just something simple, something so calm, and like he would just react as if I yelled at him. And I'm like nobody's yelling at you. Why? Why are you reacting this way? And he's like, you started what? I'm like. I was very calm, but you automatically like came at me yelling, as if like I yelled. Like I, I was very calm in what I said, just because you didn't appear. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard to other person attacks. Yeah, and I think it's also important to just remember that your parents are people, and they have their own struggles and their own fears, their own insecurities, and the more you can just accept them as who they are as human beings the less expectation you place on them as parents, the, the easier it'll be. You know, it's like, I accept the fact that my, my mom is who she is, my dad is who he is. And I, no matter what I say, no matter if I scream or yell, or even if I speak in a calm manner, there's just certain things about them I'll never be able to change. It's so deeply ingrained. And unless your parents or whoever it is that you're dealing with is doing the personal work, you know, going through therapy or they're in a 12-step program or whatever the case is, they're not going to change. And so in order, I can't, I have to accept the fact that they're not going to change. Otherwise I'm just going to spend my time constantly worrying about what they're going to think, what they're going to say. Um, so if I can come to that place of acceptance, then I think, you know, I'm able to see them human to human. Um, and I think that when you're younger, it's harder to do that because there's so much running through you as a person. You're just figuring out the world and, you know, processing everything. And so you just, it's like this explosion of emotion and, and, and thought and everything. So when you can come at each other from a place of acceptance and you know what, your parents are going to react how they do, then, you know, it just, it is what it is. And you just have to go on living your own life. And that's something that I'm still trying to do to this day is like, even as a 38 year old woman, I'm always going to be my mom's daughter. I'm always going to be my dad's daughter. And I'm always going to be, uh, you know, there's always going to be a level of expectation for what they want for me. And you know what it is, again, it is what it is. And I'm not trying to convince them of anything or show them that like, look, this is the way to do things because it's, it's futile. It's a waste of my own energy. I'll, I'll talk to them and I'll try to explain things, but only to a certain extent. Like once it gets to that point where they, you, you can tell when the glaze on their eyes start to like, you know, show up and nothing is being 
process, then at that point I'm like, all right, well, you know, this is, this is where I draw the boundary. Mm. No, I, I agree with you on that. I guess like my, I've become more comfortable with that in terms of just like understanding what I should be getting out of like different relationships in my life, like relationships with my friends, like my parents, things like that. But it still at the end of the day kind of hurts just like a little bit. It's just a bit disheartening to know that you will never be able to reach like a certain level of authenticity with your parents just because of like cultural differences. But sorry to like end this episode on such a depressing note. <laughs> Like, well, everything basically is chat, so. <laughs> Everything's terrible, honey bear. Chat, the world is Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> is there anything, anything else you wanted to bring up? Or? Um, I mean, there's, there's always so much to say, right? You know, as far as like, our existence as Persian women. So the, yeah, there's a, there's a lot I could say, but I think, I think we covered a lot of good ground today and I'm just really appreciative of, of you two for having the courage to do this really because so few people are public in this way, uh, much less in our own communities. So I applaud you ladies for taking this stance and, um, and exposing your authentic selves in such a in such a platform in a public way. So thank you for doing that. I think it's a real service to uh, young women, especially Persian women. And uh, yeah, I applaud you for that. We we applaud you for coming on and yeah. like being your fabulous self. Thank you. You guys are so sweet. I really appreciate it. And I can't wait to see uh, what's next for you guys. I mean, I'm just waiting for the, the show, you know? <laughs> so. well, thank you, honey bag. <laughs> yes, thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. You too. All right. All right. Bye. Bye.